Welcome to Footy and Frothies. Uh, what is the date? Two years I've been doing first this, and today, I never mate. get this right. It's the first of March. It is and the first, first of March. Of autumn, but y- autumn. you wouldn't be able to tell because of all the rain outside. Yeah, where I am outside. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Footy and Frothies. Daggy, Ollie, and Barney with you. Slightly uh, more soaked than usual, as as most of the east coast of Australia. I guess we all hope everyone's staying safe and doing as well as they can in some pretty shitty situations and some pretty shitty situations to come. Uh, from Queensland all the way up through, all the way up in Queensland down to, um, well, what's about to hit Sydney again. So our thoughts with all of those people doing it tough. But uh, we are back to review the trial weekend and uh, some pretty good footy, actually. Enjoyed the games I was able to watch as we get into, head towards the kickoff in, what, about nine days' time. So, uh, Barney, how's, how's life? I'm happy I'm not out delivering meat at the moment, to be honest. <laughs> it's yeah. probably one of the bonuses of being in the office, staying out of that rain. But, um, yeah, obviously some pretty horrible scenes we've seen around the place in different um, different parts of the East Coast. But, yeah, yeah, as you said, shout out to all those guys and hope that they get through and um, back on their feet as soon as they can. But, yeah, as you mentioned, there were some really good games of footy this weekend. I got, um, got quite excited at different times watching different games of footy. I was pretty disappointed the Warriors Titans game didn't go ahead to be honest because that would I think that would have been probably the biggest yardstick you could have gained a bit of teams. knowledge out of watching that game to be honest mm. but yeah no definitely good week of footy Ollie yeah not been up to a whole lot looking forward now to the NRL season that the trials are over it's going to be the biggest and greatest season yet also I'm told and have been for the past however long I've been alive so, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Sounds stupendous. Now, we um, a bit of news we will touch through. There's not a heap of it, so we'll blow through this pretty quickly. The big one of the week is Trent Robinson has signed a five-year contract extension with the Roosters. I guess if he's happy and they're happy and they win a comp every second year, hard to argue. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you talk. we talk about how teams have premiership windows, et cetera, and... Yeah, I, I personally at least have spoken a lot about how teams sort of, they outgrow a coach or they just outgrow each other and it's time to move on. There was probably other than the Melbourne Storm with Craig Bellamy, if there was any other sort of team coach combination, I'd probably excuse that from it would be the Roosters and Trent Robinson. So we'd have to see how it goes for the next five years because it, it by the time his contract's up, it'll be what, 2013 to 2028? or something like that, ridiculous. So one of the longest stints of all time of a coach at a single club. So and he's got, did he have a wooden, he's got yeah. a wooden spoon on his road? No, they finished like 14th uh, or 15th one year, but then they've what, won four premierships since and seven grand finals or something. I just made that up, but it sounds right. I think they've won, <laughs> three. I think they've won the minor premiership more than any other team while he's been the coach at the very least. So, yeah. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, they don't have a window in there. They've got a revolving door, mate. It just keeps going around <laughs> in circles and they jump back out of it every now and then. But um, ah, fantastic signing, obviously. I don't think any of the players were consulted, to be honest. There's none of this Justin Langer stuff. Oh, he's, you know, we don't like the coach. It's just Uncle Nick's gone, I love him, and he's going to be here for as long as he wants to be here. So I was amazed. If they consulted the players, it would be the exact same result. So no, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was amazing his ability to cut Deadwood. Like, he decided he didn't want Flanagan and a week after he was gone. I wish my club could do that. Um, yes. <laughs> really amazed. But, uh, yeah, all, he's in the conversation for the top three coaches in the game and probably easily. Uh, even what he did, we spoke about it at length, what he achieved last year with the stock they had. So, 
Uh, we'll see what happens this year. And um, he's going to probably have Tedesco for life and probably have uh, a large chunk of that Ford pack and probably Kiri for life. So hard to go. He's not going to go too far wrong in the next five years. Injury news. Uh, Wade Graham is listed as indefinite after he left the field with an ankle. So we speculated last night, or we speculated pre-season, that uh, retirement might be in his future, but another question mark, Barn, for a player that uh, the game may have passed by or been the... Uh, if it hasn't, the last carriage is leaving the station. It didn't um, It didn't look like there was too much in it either. I don't know exactly what happened there, to be honest. Um be interesting once the scans come back and we find out exactly what the injury is. But, yeah, he's um, he's lost a lot of footy in the last couple of years. And well, he looked all right uh, when he was sitting on the sideline sort of towards the end of the game or uh, at the end of the first half. And they sh- sort of showed and he was already back out there with a moon boot on sort of sitting and talking with the other players there. So it didn't seem like he was in any kind of excruciating pain or in any immediate need to go to the hospital or get medical attention or anything. So indefinite, it's probably not something that'll keep him out for overly long just by looking at that. But you got to think he's sort of, even without the head knocks is coming towards the end of his tenure in the NRL. And the other big injury news is Olakowatu was is listed as two to four weeks left the field at first was believed to be a break is now a dislocation on the elbow, okay. but um, I'm sure some super coaches had a panicked moment, including myself. Uh, and Absolutely. it also leaves their back row a little. We'll get to Manly. I suppose we'll save the big chat, but uh, a little bit of concern if you're a Manly fan for now. Yeah, definitely, especially with that young forward pack coming through. I'd say him and T- um, Paseca are probably the two key components of that. And then your sort of older heads, your Tapaos and your Trevojevic sort of keeping it together. But those are the two sort of strike guys. I'm not including Schuster at the moment because he's going to miss the first few weeks, but those are sort of the guys you want to step up to really make what could be one of the best four packs in the NRL. Judiciary news, the big news today is that they did clear the two all-star players for a week. So the cheese is back this round. First round, and Reese Walsh will be back round two now. Uh, so they both had a week stripped off their suspension, as Luttrell did last week. And the other two main ones, James Tama only got a week for the shot on Sam Walker, which I'm sort of okay with. Um, didn't look great, but I don't think there was any major intent there. Uh, I may be wrong, boys. No, I'd have to agree. I agree with you, mate, yeah. But the one where there was intent and I found disgusting was that Lindsay Collins' $700 fine for a cannonball on Jackson Hastings, which he could have been basically a couple of inches either way and he's out for the season. And it was late, it was intent, and I ran it about it last year when the same thing happened to Safarth and I think LOA got a week. This stuff is bullshit and it should be, this should be four to six weeks minimum. But if you, I know, I understand the protection of the heads, but this is this is potentially career ending, if not career shortening, and there doesn't seem to be any care for it. Fun. Oh mate, I absolutely agree. It's one it needs to come out of the game. It's same as the hip drop tackle, and they obviously made a, a point with that with the bell and the week, uh, not the bell and with the two of for Meone the week before, but. You can't. You just can't do it. They need, as you said, stamp down. It needs to be minimum a month um, if you're shooting in at the knees and at the bottom of the legs. Because as you, if you destroy someone's leg, like um, 
do their knee. That's a season. It could end up they may not ever run properly again. So I absolutely agree. That needs to be stamped out of the game. Well, you saw some of the crushes, Angus Crichton. What do you get? Four or four weeks for that mm. late end crusher, and there was nothing in it at all. Like that with little intent. And this is a seven hundred dollar fine. That that is that is farcical. I think there was a similar one in the one of the later games on the weekend, and I can't remember what it was. Ollie. Well, it seems like we're back in lockdown because we're on Zoom and we're talking about this. Didn't I remember that, yeah. that were, <laughs> there were a few feel weeks. a bit like flashback. <laughs> well, there were a few weeks in our last year, and I think sort of the conclusion that we came to every week when something new would happen and someone would just get, what, one or two weeks or even a fine is that we need sort of at least a period where players are getting overly suspended, if you will. So like at least sort of four to six to eight weeks for the type of, I guess, uh, incidents that are happening, like the ones with Lindsay Collins on the weekend, and you will eventually see it snuffed out of the game. Like, it's it's as simple as that. It was like when the crackdown happened with Peter Volandi's what, from Magic Round for a few weeks last year. I think our main thing was keep doing it, but make sure it's consistent and they don't drop off because then eventually players will get smarter and then they'll change their techniques and obviously it'll be snuffed out of the game, which didn't happen. And we're sort of, it, 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 it was all sort of for nothing realistically. So definitely I want to see the longer suspensions. And I think at, at least, at least for half a season, we need to be seeing something like this to have a real impact and snuff these things out of the game because yeah, a $700 fine, like how, how many different fines have we seen over the years? And like, I don't think I remember any that was that low, I don't like. I don't know what's well, going trip, on. Here. Like tripping's what fifteen hundred base or something. This is more. You know, this is potentially more dangerous than tripping. And there's intent. The biggest key to this is intent. He's coming in as a third person. The bloke's defenseless, being held up by two other blokes. And he's coming in and attacking the legs. It just shouldn't be on. And it's not so like contact with the head. Yeah, that happens every game. Uh, and I agree that there needs to be those protocols around it. But this happens maybe once every three weeks, and it's blatant, and it never looks good. And uh, nothing's ever done about it. But we had we've had a mini crackdown this weekend on play the balls again. Yeah, we did. So, Rolling the ball between the legs. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts. What What do you guys think about Reese Walsh and um, the trail and all the rest of them being able to serve their week in the All Stars? Uh, we had that question. Dane and wrote in on Facebook and said he doesn't agree with that at all. Uh, in Dane and terms, I forget what his exact terms <laughs> were, but um. I sort of had the opinion, well, if he's, if if they're not allowed to play in it, then uh, it probably should count. But and, and it, the precedent was last year where Angus Crichton, I believe, served Origin 1 as as a suspension. Um, but if the, I think all three, I don't actually, I don't think, the one I question mark at is Reese Walsh, I don't think was actually going to play for the All-Stars because the Warriors didn't let their players out. Um but I suspect Cheese would have, and obviously the trail would have. So yes. I, I think I'm okay with it. End of the day, I want to see both those blokes, all three of those blokes play. So I'm okay with it, I suppose. I'm okay with it as well, but I'm a bit different. I'm all look at Brandon Smith. Like for one, if you can prove, which I think they have, that those players would have been selected. Like if you go to David Kidwell for the Maori All Stars and ask if. Brandon Smith and Reese Walsh would have been selected and he said yes, then that's fine. But with Brandon Smith's suspension, it was a club imposed suspension for an off-field incident. 
what like yeah no I agree with that that actually no it must wasn't NRL sanctioned I think well whether it's sort of the club club imposed yes yes if it was a club based suspension which Munster is um so he must have been then yes it it probably shouldn't have counted because it's up to the the club can turn around and go you know what we've changed our mind Cam Munster's lost 10 kilos he's off the piss we're just gonna let him play and what are they gonna do about it yeah I think there was. I think it was a bringing him into disrepute at the end of the day um, from the NRL. The one thing I don't like about it, um, the players that aren't included in that game, they, you know, where's their opportunity to serve their suspension outside of something like that? Um, You're going to see it come origin time. Anyone that had Queensland or New South Wales heritage and were maybe a chance of getting into the side are going to be applying for exemptions from the NRL. I think it should have just been cut and dried and just left as it was. But I agree. Well, like, yeah. I, I agree with that because yeah, where do you draw the line? Uh, do you then have to go and get Brad Fittler to sign off on every suspension? Uh, End of if, the year, World Cup time. Do the blokes, you know, miss lose a whole World four Cup. game suspensions because they mm. can't play the World Cup? Or if James know? Tedesco gets six weeks at the end of the year for something, does he just start next round because he's going to miss a whole World Cup? I think that is a bit different just because the World Cup's run by the International Rugby League because it's not run by the NRL. But then again, the ANZAC test that we get every year is run by the International Rugby League. So, and I think that players have missed that in the past. Surely they would have through suspension before. Yeah, definitely. I just think they're making a rod for their own back and it just creates too many arguments. The easy way out would have just been to say, no, you serve your suspension in the NRL and that's... Now it's done. I, I, I tend to agree only because having run or well, having run sporting clubs for the best part of 25 years, when you break precedent or try and set new precedent, you, you lose your you lose your shield. You're better off just yeah. going, the rules are A, and you can't argue. If you say to everyone, no, nah, sorry, unfortunately he misses that. Because, you know, if they turn around and let Latrell play, and even Brandon Smith play in that game, I actually wouldn't have complained. And then you'd look at the English internationals. They don't get an opportunity to... In the origin or the Mario, yeah, or the All-Stars match. I, so. I, I 100% agree with you, but I actually would have, yeah, I lean more towards just let Latrell play in the Mickey Mouse game. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have just let him play in the, the All-Stars. With, with all due respect to Maori and Indigenous um, fans, it, it's just a game. And then just keep it separate. Yeah, it's an exhibition game, so I, I don't, don't agree with it. Yeah, because everyone, everyone played in the trials. Yeah. It's just a trial game. Um. Supercoach plugs, join our Supercoach group, 712157. Uh, the league is full. I'll uh, we'll keep you updated on that. Barney, do you remember who the linear champion was? No idea, cool. to be honest. That's <laughs> right. It'd be in my book yep. somewhere. Yep. Last year's book that's around somewhere. Have a look. You probably should really um, put that up as a post somewhere so we can go back and have a look at it. I know you were two years ago, but I can't remember who it was last year. Anyway, I'll, I'll go back and look. And um, so join that. You, that like I said our league's full, but it's an unlimited size group. You can jump in and uh, play along against us, compare yourselves to just how good Ollie goes, and also <laughs> leave. There is a post on our Facebook page. You can leave any leagues that might be looking for an extra player or two, and people can jump in. And last plug, we will get – sorry. I was just going to say, are you, Blake, still playing for the belt this year in that's, our competition? Yes, yes, yeah. That's what because I was just – um, I've been – Waiting for this moment for about five seconds since I remembered. <laughs> I do have an old wrestling belt here, so it could yeah, be nice. an undisputed belt this year. Wow. Okay, belt. just put your belt up. 
You can be the uh, the FTW champ of the Super Coach. Ollie? I'm the under I'm the undisputed champ. I'm gonna of all the belts, I'll take Flob's belt as well, and it'll be a grand old time. No, just be gold no. everywhere. All right, just a river of gold. Uh, we'll all be taking golden showers, Oliver. So oh, let's Jesus. get to um, and the last plug I'll get in is the PCTC. They kick off next week. PCTC tipping comps on. Facebook. We'll share it again before the comp starts. $50 in free options to take us on head-to-head. Incredibly well-run competition. Uh, Integrity is key there. All above board and can't recommend it highly enough. And uh, we're talking off air about an excuse for a show next week. Uh, So I might even give Gaz a call and uh, have our annual chat. Uh, I don't know if we'll get Guzzler on the phone to confirm or deny his claims, but (laughs) that is fine too. So that's it for admin. Let's get into the trial reviews. Any overarching takeaways from this week's trial that are, before we get into game by game, or you want to get through them and then have a think about it? Yeah, we'll probably just speak about each one, I would imagine, and then maybe come back to it after that. But. Yeah, cool. Just the one, the one observation I had is just how key that uh, ball playing thirteen has become. Mm-hmm. We talked about last year how the good teams had it, and I'd probably think all the top four definitely had it. Uh, it looks like four or five other teams have found one now and it's going to be integral to how they play and be key to, um, I think, success this year, that sweeping uh, 13. We saw it with uh, with Tyrone. We've seen it with Tyrone Peachy a bit. We've seen it with um, Kurt Mann being very good at it, I thought, for in the Newcastle game. Yeah, he was a little more direct back through the middle, but yeah, there was um, he was definitely a link player with some nice, nice short passing there. And uh, and uh, we'll get to each club, but uh, a few other clubs have manufactured that, and I think it's just going to be such a key position this year that um, interesting how that unfolds. But the uh, trials kicked off Raiders eighteen beating Manly sixteen. Do you have stats, Barn? I do. Yeah, it was three tries apiece, um, two out of three conversions for Manly, and three out of three for the Raiders. 68% completion for the Manly side and 63% for the Raiders. 26 out of 38 sets played 24 out of 38 for the Raiders. One line break for Manly, two for Canberra. 19 tackle bust played 13. One offload to 11 from the Raiders. One force dropout by the Raiders. Zero 40 20s. 264 tackles played 290 made by the Raiders. One ruck infringement given away by the Raiders. Uh, one inside the 10 given away by Manly. Nine penalties conceded by Manly, 11 by Canberra, 11 errors to 12. A sin bin for Manly. Jake made 31 tackles. Whitehead made 26, and they were the top of the tackle counts. Sipley made 137 metres for Manly, and Tomoko made 97 for Canberra. Uh, DCE missed four tackles and made 10, and Whiten missed three and made 14. Supercoach points for courtesy of the Daily Telegraph top Supercoach scorers for the Raiders were White in 63, Tappany 59, Horsburgh 44, and for Manly 41, Garrick 32, Turbo 32, Kepi 31, Jake 31, Ethan Bullymore. Uh, not that it means much in limited minutes, but just a bit of indication and get us get our eye back in discussing this stuff. Ollie, did you see this game? Yeah, I did. I was very impressed, um, at least early on, with Manly's right edge. I think Vossi called them possibly the fastest right edge in the NRL. And I'm not sure how much um, NRL young cooler will be seeing this season, but he's definitely not necessarily talking further out 
talked himself further out of a spot or played himself further out, I should say. And uh, we could have a new comp- um, a new combination in the NRL. Of course, our colonial correspondent, Damo, came up with Sabra. Well, we've got the Sabra and the Kula. So, <laughs> yeah, that could be a fun little combination during the year. But um, Manly started off hot 16-0. And then uh, I know a couple of the guys were bagging him out a little bit in the chat, but I thought Whiten looked decent. I think he set up a try and scored one as well. Um, I thought that he did his job and did what he needed to to sort of get his team back on that front foot and to win the game. Barney, your takeaways? Yeah, well, the first 10 of 15 was competitive from both teams, but pretty scrappy. There was a fair bit of drop ball and all the rest of it. Obviously, when you get your first great team back on the park for the first time, it's going to happen. Um, and the, the wet weather didn't help all weekend. There was um, a theme of... Uh, very Apache scrappy bits of play in, diff- in pretty much every game, I think. But um, the first two tries for Manly were directly led to Alf Whiten. It was it was a drop ball, a uh, poor pass. And then the second one was a mistake with Whiten dropped the ball and fed it straight to Cooler. And he ran 80 metres and Saab jogged beside him, <laughs> considering how quick Cooler is. I thought um, Saab made ground real quick and then just jogged up next to him. But... Um, Manly, uh, Canberra's head went down then too and Manly just sort of controlled the majority of the rest of the half right up until um, just before half time <laughs> I thought they were actually cutting holes through the middle of Canberra there at different times as well but um, the big the big takeaway for me was when um, Tuppany and uh, Tuppany and Papa Lee came back on, they really stiffened up that middle for Canberra and then they started to get their roll on back through the middle um, Whiten started to run the ball as well just before half time and they got that try for um to get it back to 16-6 at half time. I really enjoyed watching Jake just did, his tackle technique is so good. I love watching the way he just snaps blokes in half and they run straight at him. He just drops them and you can see that it hurts. Um Tappany scored a pretty soft try under the post. I think he just strolled past a couple of blokes and Scored there to put some Canberra back in the game. But Manly looked like they gassed out pretty bad in the last sort of 15, 20 minutes of that game. I know there was a few young blokes that they put back on there and um, it was a different team to what started. But um, Canberra just sort of ran away with it in the at the start of the second half, got in front, and then they were, they played the last 10 minutes underwater. The fucking field was that wet. Dead set looked like they were swimming at some points and they just... The momentum went out of the game and it just turned into a slog and there was not much footy played in the last 10 or 15 minutes. But Yeah, so um, it looked like the harbour from across the road had sort of just overflowed or they'd taken a bunch of water out of it and chucked it on the field. Um, but yeah, overall sort of, it was weird for Canberra. They looked like a bit of Jekyll and Hyde and it goes to show how crucial Jack White is to that side because he was a bit of Jekyll and Hyde like as you said Barney and I should reiterate that those comments that were made by a couple of the guys in the chat bagging white now I do now think they came before the try and try assist but it just goes to show how important Whiten is that to that side and how much of a game changer he is which also in turn this season does put a little bit of that pressure on Jamal Fogarty to sort of take that pressure off of him let him play his natural game and run the ball you could argue that Fogarty's going to be just as important to this Canberra side as Jack White and because Fogarty's the one that's going to have to, yeah, take that pressure off and allow White to play as good as he does. Yeah, Whiten's at his best when he's a running 5'8", obviously, which he probably wasn't last year for the most part. 
Uh, what did you make of Fogarty in, in the time he was on? I thought he gave him a, a decent amount of structure. Um, his kicking game was pretty solid at most points. Um, he, he did get a little bit lost occasionally, sort of started doubling back on the way he was running. And um, I think that was more his uh, his ball runners weren't sort of getting on the lines that he's used to having um, his outside men running it. But um, I thought he, he's definitely, that combination will work at some point. It's going to take a little while, but um, I can see that working quite well towards halfway through the year. Um, injuries, as you mentioned, to... Um, to Powell, Walker and Olakotau, that's not um, not the way you want to start your season with three of your uh, better players going off the field with injury. Um, that might slow them down at the first couple of games of the year, especially considering they're going to be up against Penrith, who will be coming off the back of what they copped this week. And then I think they might be a little bit stirred up going into the first week of the comp. And have three certain inclusions as well, maybe that might help. <laughs> it wouldn't hurt. Um, as I mentioned, Tapani and Papali strong. Uh, they're really strong in this game, um, especially their second stint. Elliot uh, and Sutton, they they're good. Um, they didn't, you know, play a lot of minutes, but they 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 did their job. Um, Horsburgh again. I think there's two of his more impress- impressive performances in the two trials. So um, he looks like he might be in for a better year than what he's had the last couple of um, last couple of seasons. And um, Rushton didn't really get a lot of time. Starling definitely adds something when he comes into the game. He just, the tempo lifts and there's a little bit more um, attack in and around, in and around the ruck there. But um, yeah, I didn't, uh, Manly failed to impress me realistically. If I they... thought Foran was pretty good. Cooler looks like he could find himself a spot in the centers or on a wing somewhere. But, um, and Bullymore was good again. But other than that, there wasn't a lot to mention, I don't think. Uh, yeah, Walker didn't. Walker obviously went off, and, and we've mentioned a couple of times he does look fit, uh, and is another one that potentially adds that ball playing thirteen aspect to their game. But there's that end of the day when you take out when you take out any team starting front uh, back row. Yeah, it doesn't matter what player is playing at fullback. Struggle to get some momentum up, and once we hit next week, it'd be interesting to see just what they can bring with uh, some. With a lesser forward pack, and uh, Tapao has is uh, potentially out next week, but has been below his best. LOA uh, isn't really going to hurt anyone, and despite the amount of work he does get through at his best, and it seems like they just don't have a massive amount of faith in in Paseco, at least from what we, from what um at least our opinion of him. So interesting what they do with their forward pack and how long it takes to get into get momentum with them and that would be my major concern for Manly I think out of the first two trials any final thoughts no, not at all. No, well we get to the Tigers 16 defeating uh, the anointed premiers eight uh, in the in the rain up there and uh, I thought they were pretty good Barney what did the stats say yeah it was two tries for the roosters three for the Tigers zero out of two conversions played two out of three. 69% completion for the Roosters, 76 for the Tigers, uh, th- 23 out of 33 sets, played 35 out of 46, 210 plus post-contact metres for the Tigers, uh, four line breaks to five, 28 tackle busts to 30, uh, two offloads to 16. Again, seems to be a feature of the Tigers game. They do like to uh, uh, throw the offloads around and promote that second phase play. A forced dropout by the Tigers, 0 20s 359 tackles made by the Roosters, 313 by the Tigers. Four ruck infringements to two. Two inside the 10s against the Tigers, nine penalties conceded to two. 
13 errors to 11. Radley made 34 tackles. Stefano made 31 tackles. 159 metres for Tupu and 151 for Mamalo. Beryl's missed five tackles, made 29. And Junior Polga made four tackles, but missed four tackles. <laughs> Sound like one of our backs. Um, <laughs> Luciano, 82, Supercoach points. Stefano, 51. Musgrove, 49. Hastings, 47. Safarth, 45. For the Easts, Momorowski led the 54. Beryl's, 49. The Guama, 42. Tupo, 38. You can take what you... Want if anything out of any of that? Uh, I thought the Tigers are pretty good in a, in a tough game. I thought they the two tries were well, obviously one try was softish and one was a uh, you know Sam Walker beating a forward through the middle in the wet, so can half forgive. But beyond that, um, defense was okay. Attack was uh, they could have scored more points. I think first half they looked a little bit um, just trying to get everything right, and then once Hastings got involved in the second half. I thought they clicked really well. Brooks's running game was actually pretty good on second watch through. Uh, but Hastings, I love the way he just went looking for the ball in the last 20 minutes. Pretty much touched the ball, if not every tackle, every second tackle. set um, And just gave him a bit of a leader on the field, which is what they've needed for <laughs> however long. Uh, so I was excited by that. Luciano's fantastic. And Tulangi was fantastic. So a couple of exciting back rows there. You throw a Lugana returning on the bench there that can hit a hole. Uh decent signs. And the only thing I thought when Hastings going left to right a bit looking for some help, it'd be lovely to have had Dewey hitting a hole off him and straightening everyone yeah. up. But um, you can't have it all. But, uh, you know, I, I saw enough out of that game that uh, I'm pretty comfortable to say the Tigers shouldn't be favourites for the wooden spoon. Uh, but, you know, I've had pie in the sky before. Barney, um, talk some realistic stuff, will you? Oh, you, you pretty much nailed the Tigers, I think. Um, Luciano was the best on ground, I thought. Um, Tualangi looks like he's going to be an impressive edge back row for you guys, um, as long as he gets enough uh, gets enough good ball. Hastings took a while to get going, but once he got going, by the end of the game, he had a pretty good game. Uh, Peachy, I thought, had a pretty poor game, but he still seemed to up the tempo when he was out there and did did he was looking to try and set up a few different points of attack, so... If he gets his if he has his good game, it um it will only benefit the Tigers. Manu had some nice touches, but he's definitely a ball runner more than a ball player. Mm. Um, he's got a he's could play center or fullback. Obviously, they're mucking around with putting him in at six. He's not the worst six in the world, but um, definitely a better center or a fullback. Well, he'd only work at six if Kiri's there. You would think so. Yeah. Um, Saluka Fafita was strong again. Uh, he's had two pretty good performances in the trials. Radley worked hard, um, sort of got a little bit lost at different times. So Fletcher Baker was probably one of their stronger forwards uh, for the Roosters. And Momorowski was good. Um, Lindsay Collins looked okay, but as you mentioned before, some silly crap crept into his game at different points. Um, Safano was really good. I thought... Um, you're going to see similar performances, but extra minutes out of him during the season, and um, that can only benefit the Tigers as well. So. And a couple of those runs, if he gets a ball in a dry track, he, he crashes over and that sort of thing. You get a couple Absolutely. of and wet hand offer, efforts. Offer, offer and go yeah, yeah, was good, and Safarth was good as well. So um, there's a couple of that in the half. White may end up finding a bench spot by the end of the year, and Satili was okay, but wasn't anything super impressive out of sorry walker was super impressive the time that he did spend on the field he was definitely their best point of attack until he got his hia so 
uh, and even just that that play from Hastings was good, just the way he isolated the back rower on Walker. Like he just picked his line and unfortunately ended with someone in a neck brace. But uh, yeah, and uh, Young Cheese Junior was good, um, tremendous. I enjoyed I've enjoyed both his games. I don't know how much we'll see of him. Apparently, he was Jersey Flag Player of the Year last year, so uh, he should have a decent future in front of him and may even have an opportunity with. Little been injured for the month. Ollie, you're Solid take- little unit runs well. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we all sort of agreed uh, when we were talking last night uh, that if the Dagimos were active at the moment, which they will be from next week, which I'm looking forward to. Um, Lu- and Luciano, stay tuned for another announcement. <laughs> yes. Uh, Luciano would be getting all three points. But I also thought, and whilst Barney's right, that I'd say probably out of the three, Peachy was probably the poorest, but as he said, he still brought that bit of intensity. Looking at the the Tigers' three sort of major new signings, I know Stafford Tull has sort of come in during the preseason, but those three sort of main signings that they made last year, sort of the, the display of intent, um, did enough to show a little bit of promise for next season. Uh, Hastings, obviously, we've spoken about him, and just the Tigers probably haven't looked that strong at times or that structured at times in attack for a while now, but it seems like they've actually got a game controlling halfback. And as you said, a bit of a leader Um, Gildard, I thought it looked a lot better compared to Mm. last week. Uh, Still a couple of errors in his game, but I thought defensively uh, he didn't face much, but for a player who's only ever played in super league before the effort he did put in was actually promising. I'd say in defense, Uh, he's another one I'd like to see on a dry track again. Like just, he looks like he does have some toe, He's um, yeah, just like to see him get. Yeah. You know, well, the defense would have, yeah was sort of the biggest question for me, and it's still not been answered. But thus far, it's I'd say it's probably been a tick at least from that game. And Tyrone Peachy does bring that sort of bit of intensity. And you, you speak about a ball playing lock. Um, Tyrone Peachy, you could argue, is sort of the definition of that. Maybe barring the size, maybe sort of Isaiah Yo would be a bit a better sort of perfect ball playing lock if you will but uh, Peachy's not too dissimilar I'd say other than the size so that's a big plus there I'd say so a, a, a big tick obviously for the Tigers in this one for winning this game but um, Luciano obviously the star but so far there's nothing to really discredit the, the three sort of big signings that have been brought in to usher in this new era at the Tigers along with their simplified logo. Yeah, and the, the biggest take for me is that last year at times they looked like the Bulldogs and they looked like they didn't know how they're going to score, whereas this, this week they felt like a team that had points in them uh, and it was a matter of time in a way. So um, that's something exciting. So Oliver, you were there in attendance for the Panthers 30, 30 even 6 nil defeat uh, at the hands of the Eels. I'm sure it was lovely weather for you, Ollie, a nice afternoon out with some friendly company. How was the atmosphere live? And then, um, actually, I probably should let Barney do stats first. Barney, do stats first. Yes. <laughs> right, yeah, no worries. <laughs> so obviously, zero tries to six. Zero conversions out of zero to six out of six for Parramatta. Mm, impressive. 77% completion played 82% for Parramatta. 27 out of 35 sets played 38 out of 46. 550 plus run meters for Parramatta and 200 plus post-contact meters. Pretty much points to a drubbing that, doesn't it? Uh, One line break to six, 25 tackle bust to 54, three offloads to 13, two force dropouts by Parramatta, 
and won 40-20. 451 tackles by Penrith, played 311 from Parramatta. Three ruck infringements by Penrith, zero inside the tens. Three penalties conceded by Penrith, six by Parramatta. Ten errors to 11, a sin binning from Parramatta. Coruscant made 45 tackles. Reed Mahoney made 31. Jennings made 124 metres and Makatoa with 158 run metres. Uh, Ollie, yeah, tell us about your day out. Yes, it was a lovely outing with our colonial correspondent Damo and a few mates. Went to Panthers a couple of hours beforehand, which probably wasn't necessary. Um, <laughs> had a good time at the game, though. And, uh, yeah, I was, well, I was pinching myself during the game, partly because I was a bit inebriated, but I was thinking, surely the, I'm just dreaming I'm going to wake up and it's going to be game day because Penrith are getting flogged pretty bad here. But, of course, the big three were out, well, at least in my opinion, the three most important players to Penrith, Cleary, Fisher, Harrison, Yo, and you could tell the difference that made. And as Barney brought up when we were chatting last night, that really allowed Parramatta's four-pack to just get on the front foot and just absolutely dominate this game on the back of Dylan Brown. I'd say Brown and the forward pack as a whole for Parramatta were probably the standout for this game. And if those three players were there, maybe Parramatta do still win the game because 36 nils, a pretty big scoreline to come back from, but uh, it definitely would not have been a uh, 36 nil. I think it gets it gets forgotten uh, just how important this spine's now been together for three years at Parramatta, and I know a couple. Uh, actually, now the spine's still staying together, uh, even beyond Reed's this. Off. So, it, reads off. Oh, reads off the Bulldogs, of course. I apologize, yeah. uh, but uh, I think it's starting to really show. And um, just a couple of their movements where they had that. Um, even when someone would make a breakdown, say the left, they'd have five supporting players with them. It's just. Um, they know where their attacks going, in those directions they're heading, and it was just very impressive. Their forward pack is uh, as good as on paper this year will be as good as anyone in the comp when they step up. And uh, I was bullish about in preseason, and I was pretty happy to see what I saw. Uh, and Parramatta fans were all bullish about Dylan Brown, and I know it's only a trial, but good signs there. We've got to see it once we hit game day going forward. Uh, Gump actually wrote in. I'll get your thoughts both of you on this before we get to you, Barn. And suggested that perhaps Parramatta should play Dylan Brown at a centre, left centre the whole season, and use Jacob Arthur as a controlling half. But he was actually pretty impressive when he came on as well, and it was late in the game against a beaten team. But um, potentially another point of attack there. First of all, Bartha, thoughts on that one? To be honest, I don't think Dylan Brown's big enough to be playing in the centres. Um, then you've got your big second rowers, the kick-outs of the world and your, your massive centres running directly at him. Um, I think if they're not going to play him at six, his best option would be to go back to 14. Um, I still like Moses and Brown to start the match, to be honest, um, yep. especially without the, with the involvement he put in in this game. He was running into the line. He was setting up his outside men. He was taking the line on. It was a complete contrast to what he put up for the majority of last season. So, Ollie? Well, Gump's sort of big thing that I disagree with was when he said, have Jacob Arthur there as a game-controlling half. They have a game-controlling half that they've just re-signed on $850,000 a year that, being honest, was decent in 2021. Um, he's been inconsistent in years past, but he had a good 2021, and that's Mitchell Moses. And I don't think two game controlling halves work next to each other. I don't like the 
Moses and Arthur partnership. I didn't really like it last season when they played together either. Uh, not necessarily for Moses, but for Arthur. So I think it's probably for the best that it's the Moses Brown combination, but that's not taking anything away from Jacob Arthur from what we've heard. He's been sort of the standout in the preseason, I guess, for Parramatta. He was decent, but I don't see him consistently getting a gig in the halves over Brown or Moses. So uh, maybe in the future, if one of them leaves the club. But... From him, what I've seen in the trial games, he's definitely improved. He's one of the most improved players from what I can see out of the two he's trial games. He's filled out too. I didn't recognize him yeah. at first. Absolutely. So, Yeah, your thoughts. What bro? are your thoughts? No, no, I went first. What do you think, mate? Uh, I wouldn't be rushing to change it, but I think it can work. I, I actually don't disagree with it because it gives you, just because they play that, they seem to play that left side a lot uh, and it just gives you an extra link with that Gutho sweep, but uh, I wouldn't be rushing to necessarily change it just yet unless you had to, unless uh, Jacob Arthur would have to, I know he's, like you said, built up and burnt the house down and whatever else. He'd want to be pretty bloody good to, be better than what yeah. Dylan Brown was on the weekend. Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't be rushing, especially, and as I said, the whole point I made um, five minutes ago was they've now got a spine that's been together for three years. So... Uh, Ball in hand, it might actually be okay, but I think um, in defence, you'd find a few problems. I'd agree with that, especially because you've then got yeah. your smaller sort of Sean Lane. You've got... Uh, you're making a lot You're making a lot of work for your other back rows there that aren't necessarily as mobile. So... And it's just, you look at Parramatta's centres, it's like we bag Wanga Blake for never passing the ball, whatever, and he's not perfect. But I don't think he was horrible no, he's fine. in 2021. He was fine. Tom Opacek was probably, at least for the first half of the season, sort of one of, um, he was very overshadowed by his teammate Isaiah Papali'i, but looked to be possibly one of the value buyers of the season when Marata Niakore was playing in the centre. So they have options that, I'd say you'd be putting there before Brown and it'd sort of be hard for Dylan Brown to push into a spot in the centres, I'd yeah, say. I, I just thought it was an interesting thought and one that um, he wouldn't be, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a wrong answer yet, but he threw it up. Uh, your takeaways, Barn, for Parramatta? Oh, well, their attitude and energy was the from the very start of this game, you could tell they're absolutely primed for this game. They come out of the blocks flying and they didn't really let up for the entire game, so... Um, Papali and Makatoa were fantastic. Um, they run those super strong lines on the edges and they were just busting holes left, right and centre. Uh, some nice change of angles too. But they weren't just running that outline through into the centres and they were, they were cutting back inside and it led to a try under the post, I think it was, for Makatoa. Um, Moses and Gutho were really good on that, especially on that right-hand sweep down that... Uh, or both, the sweep on both sides, realistically. That's just a combination, as you mentioned, that's been three years in the making and... They get that right more often than they get it wrong. So um, Reed was very good. His service is top shelf. I think he's probably close to the best passing dummy half in the game, realistically, the way he gets it out in front and it's just in front of the chest of whoever whoever's outside of him pretty much every, every time. Um, his service was astounding in this game. Dylan Brown, as we mentioned, looked... Um, Look, he got a lot more involvement in this game. He, he took the line on. He was um, kicking, passing. He was yeah, really he had a really good game. The left-hand winger that's filling in for poor Hayes Dunster, uh, Sean Russell. He actually looks mm. like he's, there's something about him. Mm. He's um, big enough, strong enough. He's only going to get bigger and uh, a bit stronger, I would imagine, over the next couple of years. But 
he's definitely uh, looks like someone who will be a first grade winger uh, in years to come. I thought Coruscant and um, Brian Tolo probably had forgettable nights, realistically, um, considering to what they were producing for most of last year. Coruscant tackled hard, but he, he missed quite a few as well. And um, there's a couple of errors there, which weren't great. And Tolo just looked like he was pretty comfortably handled. Um, every time he was coming back from either his own yardage or every time he touched the ball, there's two or three blokes around well, him. You know and... now, the the first blue pen of Penrith's attack is you just have to have two chases on Tolo's corner or you don't kick to him. Yeah, and absolutely. that's he's going to cop a lot of this year. Uh, having or being someone, as, as you guys are, that has lived in the uh, Penrith area most of your life and knew, know Penrith fans quite well. I had this thought before the game when uh, Tuo and Luai were dancing in the locker room and doing this and that. How long will it take if they're none from four for Penrith fans to start turning on some of these <laughs> uh, shenanigans? As someone who doesn't support Penrith and personally loves their antics, I'm I'm never going to turn it. I love them. Keep, keep doing it before and after the game. Uh, have a bit of character about you, but um, how long will it take? Put it this way, I would hope um, and I would expect that they are professional enough being representative players and premiership winners that if Penrith are 0 from, 0 from 4, we probably see that die down a little bit. We probably <laughs> we, we probably don't come strolling into the locker room with the boombox. We maybe leave it at home for the week, something like that. Um, so hopefully it would not get to that point where it's sort of something pointed out in the media. Penrith got belted by 30 this week, hypothetically, and here's a video of Toto and Luai dancing um, in, in the sheds 30 minutes after. I, I would say yeah. it, it definitely shouldn't. I would predict that it would not get to that point because the players had sort of stopped the antics before the fans would jump in. Yeah, I can't see him losing four in a row, to be honest, but <laughs> just to start with. But I'm pretty sure um, old man Cleary had probably put the put a stop to that pretty quickly. If they were if they were on a pretty big slide, I think um, he seems like someone that would, um, you know, he's happy to get that going when when it's times are good. But I think if they're on a on a bit of a backward slide, I think he'd stop that pretty quickly. And on Penrith, uh, yeah, is there any positives? I thought. Yeah, I struggle to they, they were hard to find, to be honest. Um, Jermaine Hopgood was good. Um, I thought he's had two good trial games and he looks like um, someone that'll end up probably pushing for a bench spot. Um, O'Sullivan was steady again, but he's only going to play a couple of games this year, you would imagine, unless there's um, injuries or suspensions in their halves. Uh, Matt Eisenhuth worked his backside off. Um, he actually worked really hard and he, I would dare say he'll be in the starting 17 at the start of the year. As did um, Sorensen. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that, Sorensen. Other than that, man, there was. Um, I think once they sort of got behind, they just basically went, "No, oh, we'll just cruise through and get get to next week. Try and get through uninjured and um, not worry about chasing this game too hard." So, is, is there? Luai had tried really hard. Luai was getting involved and he was trying to do his best, but he was shut down. There's a lot of pressure on him. Um, only being realistically the one playmaking half. So, is there a depth issue at Penrith now? I don't think so. Nah, no. Not realistically, they're missing um, a good part of their forward pack, and that's where, as Ollie said, they just got rolled through the middle. Um, their defence was not great in the middle, and um, that'd be much better with four or five inclusions that you're going to find coming back into that team. So, and it's a good point you bring up, Barney. It got to a certain point where those Penrith players were just like, let's just okay, we're going to get beat, obviously. Let's just try and get 
through this game without key players getting injured. It's also important to note that those Penrith players, if this game took part in the regular season with the exact same teams, Paris still win the game, I think. But again, we probably see more of an effort to try and come back from that Penrith Panthers team. I think a lot of it also comes into the fact that it was a trial. Players did want to sort of get through that game. So there are those variables. And I think the biggest of which, the two biggest of which I should say, it was a trial for players weren't sort of going hammer and tong when it they were 20 down or whatever and you were missing the big three as well so uh, there was a couple of concerns fine for Penrith I'd say overly in terms of like a huge drop off from last season but um, two major concerns that I had was just in defense obviously kick out again there's times where that like this plays touch footy and couldn't be bothered trying to put his shoulder into anyone he missed eight tackles and made 23 Appy missed seven as well, which is uncharacteristic for Appy. He did make 45, but there was um, there was definitely some problems in the defence in the middle of that game. And you got to remember, last year, I know that they won the comp, but remember at times their defence was pretty shabby at that back end. Like, yeah, they were the best defensive team in the that comp. That was the team that won it. That, that was what, the last two games, they won it on their defence. Their attack sort of went out the window. So. Yeah, no, no, no. But I'm saying, remember the period probably from about round... Just after Origin, about round 24, mm, true. there was some very shabby defence and they, they won games uh, on the back of Nathan Cleary almost, on the back of about three blokes, which is, well, you know, what they are. It's not, you know, that's what most teams are. Just saying that guess, it can be exposed and um, it'd be very to see how that is exposed. I'd say in particular, though, that point you bring up for that middle part of the year after Origin, I think, well, Fisher-Harris missed a lot of that in part. I think he got injured and he came back to New South Wales. For he the came back for Bob, yeah. That's where, in particular, Fisher-Harris is so important to that team. And people sort of forget because of what Cleary does. One defence, a lot of that is sort of the intensity that Fisher-Harris brings and just... And Yo, Yo is just that glue, that cover, cover defence. He covers he makes He play. makes tackles, you know, people miss the tackle and he's the one who makes it before they make the line break. So well, I'd say Yo's probably a bit more of an all-rounder. Like, he, he brings a fair bit to defence and attack, but sort of if you're looking specifically at... Um, your defensive guy and your attacking guy from Penrith Clear is obviously the attacking guy. I'd say, yeah, Fisher Harris is probably defence, and Yo is that one that goes either side. And funnily enough, all three of those players are absent on Saturday. So they all defend in the middle. Is yes. Matt Burton yes. is Matt Burton a bigger loss to Penrith than he would be a gain to the Bulldogs? No, I don't think so. I think they'll end up covering him. Okay, it, it's. Uh, Interesting will, to ponder, but I've got to agree with Barney. No, that's cool. Um, uh, more from the point of view in that... Uh, He'll mean the world to the Bulldogs. He'll be the only reason they win a couple of games. Yeah, well, that's true as well. When you, when you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he won He won Panthers probably four games last year, and he'll be the only one that wins Canterbury four games this year, I suppose. So Unless they find a halfback that's going to work. Yeah, well, anyway, we'll let's to get that. to Charity Shield. 16-10, Dragons got one on the board after a while. They did. Stats, Barn. Yeah, we had um, 10 points to... 10, 10 points to six. Wow. I thought there was more points 16, in this game. Uh, 16, oh, 16, 10. Yeah, 16, 10. I've missed the one there. 16, 10 to the <laughs> Dragons. Two tries to four. One out of two conversions for the Dragons and zero out of four for South. That's not right. Zero out of four for the Dragons and one out of two for South. That's right. 70, 78% completion played 76. 29 out of 37 sets for South. 29 out of 38 for the Dragons. 
three line breaks to five, 40, uh, 58 tackle busts for the Dragon, 46 for Souths. Nine offloads played 10, two forced dropouts for Souths, one by the Dragons. Zero 40-20s, but there was, I think, the first ever 20-40 kicked in this game. Was it actually the first ever? Was I'm the, pretty uh, sure it is, isn't it? Last year. I thought Cam Did Smith he? kicked one. He tried for one. I think Cam Smith just I, missed one. But, I think Reynolds definitely kicked. I think he someone's done one I think Reynolds has kicked the only two. I think one was in 2020, one was 2021. Then sweet fuck all of them kicked. And I don't Reynolds think... kicked the first um, two-point two field, field goal. Yes, I know that. I'm, I, to be honest, I'm not sure there's ever been a 20-40 kick before this one, but uh, I may be wrong. 333 tackles to Souths, 292 to the Dragons. One rank infringement by the Dragons, zero by Souths. One inside the 10 to zero, five penalties conceded for both teams, 10 errors for both teams, and a sim bidding for both teams. Cook made 35 tackles, McCulloch made 32, Mark Nichols with 95 metres for Souths, and Ramsey with 128. Uh, well, the Pumpkins were on display for Souths, I thought. Uh, it was the all, all my preseason sort of concerns were a little bit exposed for Souths. Not to, like, not didn't cost them the game, really, but. No. Uh, yeah. I thought they were there. Uh, I'm interested in both your thoughts on the two youngsters in key positions. Thought both were pretty good. Uh, I don't think it's necessary panic stations yet for Souths, but I think their losses are going to outweigh. They obviously they're rubber stamping that they're going to outweigh the game. There's quite a few youngsters out there. Which two are you talking about in particular? Oh, uh, Ilias and, and Taff. Oh, I'm Blake. Get, Taff. Yeah, yeah, but I'll get to yeah. Uh, yeah we'll, we'll we'll get to the other one. I thought the Dragons are sensational. Thought um, yeah. Sloan and. Uh, <laughs> I say sensational at, at a level. Sloan and Amone <laughs> uh, are going to win NRL games, and they're going to win. They're going to beat up some teams, and beat them up well. Sloan just excites me. I just like watching him play footy. Uh, he moves brilliantly, doesn't his he? Speed, he, rem- he actually reminds me of like a second year Benji Marshall. Uh, not the same sort of player, but that way that just ex- exploded in the scene, moves well, just is in the right spot, uh, and has pace, and just just has points in him and someone you can back at a young age just feels like that already. Ben Hunt, outstanding. He's probably mm-hmm. the forgotten player when we talk, we, we ran and talk about Supercoach all the time, but we all forgot Ben Hunt and uh, if he, if the Dragons going to win more games than they lose, he's going to win them for them. Um, they were very good. Um, Sewell was good. I thought uh, most of their forwards were pretty good uh, and if you were from where we sort of had the Dragons pegged, uh, we said from the start if they backed their youngsters they're in the game here, and I think they're in the game. I think I think I'm happy to put them in the top ten for now. Uh, again, I've been wrong before. Cody Ramsey, someone we've been critical of, he's put on a bit of muscle. Actually, looks like a man now instead of a slightly lost uh, year nine student. Uh, and <laughs> should give me his training regime. And uh, there's hope for you yet, Ollie. Grow a shitty Cody. Um, and yeah, tick tick for the dragons. Uh, I suppose maybe half a tick for Souths. Barney, what do you take from this? Yeah, um, you've mentioned most the ones that I wanted to mention. I thought Lomax was brilliant. Um, he's only going to get better. He missed a lot of football last year. That try assist with the the Matt Gidley flick that they all, you know, I'm pretty sure that's what it gets coined these days. Uh, he run, turned two blokes inside out and then flicked it around the corner for the try. Um, brilliant part of brilliant bit of play. You mentioned Ben Hunt. He didn't do anything flashy. He didn't, um, you know, he wasn't setting up tries left, right and centre, but it, that was an absolute game management 
game out of a mm. out of a halfback and but when I've, yeah, everything I, I, I look it through what, the amount of time I spent talking about Jackson Hastings, he was that sort of good. You know, he I mean? was game management in that game. Yeah. It was pretty much perfect. It was played to a T. Kicking game was fantastic. He got the team around the field where he wanted them, put them into positions to make um to make breaks. So that's exactly what you want out of your halfback. We, you've already praised um, Sloan, and he probably deserves more. But realistically, he's um, he's a very bright prospect. Ilias is young and inexperienced, but his kicking game was pretty pretty on pretty much on point. I thought in this game, um, which is obviously the one thing that they really really need um, someone to take up the slack with uh, Reynolds leaving. I thought Walker was fairly good. He had a few moments where he got hot-headed and did a few silly things again, um, but that's just part of his makeup, I think. But um, Moses Sully was really strong, um, especially in defence and um, off his own off his own line. Just the yardage game coming off out of his uh, out of his own red zone. He um he looks like he's set up for a pretty strong year, to be honest. Um, you mentioned Amon. I thought he provided a spark. He sort of faded in and out of the game a little bit, but there's definitely something about him on the attacking end of the game. Um, Taff was, I thought, was pretty good considering they were Souths were pretty much on the back foot for the majority of the of the game. Now you mentioned so. uh, you mentioned we talked last night. Just <laughs> some of his defensive reads were great, but absolutely, mate. His positioning at fullback was one of the um, out of all the fullbacks, pretty much that played this weekend. I thought he was just in the right spot in defence the majority of the time that he needed to be. Um, short kicks, long kicks, making a break down the side. He was always the last man in cover. He might not have made that tackle, but he was in position to get, you know, to make the tackle. So I thought he was really good for his positioning, defensive positioning at fullback. So, yeah, um, Jack Bird was tough. Um, I thought he played quite well. Jackson Paulo was good for Souths. Um He's definitely, I think he's pretty much locked up a spot there in on the wing for South Sydney. You mentioned Ramsey's grown up a little bit. I thought Cook was okay. He actually ran a little bit more than what he did for parts of last year. Looked like there's something there. Um, I don't think we'll ever see him get back to the form he was in a few years ago. But May I quickly interject? We're talking and we spoke before about World Cups, whatever, and we've spoken off camera about, you know, Cherry Evans and Cleary of all the reports coming out. With the way Cook's been playing, like, by the end of this year, could we see a Harry Grant? Like, yes. re- realistically, like, Cook will be in the squad, but is Harry Grant, are we tipping Harry Grant to be the number nine at the yes. end of this year? And, and, because... and let's see how Origin goes, but Reed Marnie, as Barney yeah. said, is in that conversation. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. the thing is with Mal, uh, incumbent counts for right, loves them, 70%. Yeah. So you've got, you've got to be, you've got to be better than that to, to be considered almost, which is, which is the main issue. Cause I think if you're realistic, you know, if you're realistic, Harry Grant's the first choice hooker now. You're getting close. Well, Jai Arrow yeah. was probably the best forward yeah, for Souths um, on the field. Mark Nichols and Jacob Host were okay. And Matt Figuay, um didn't have a huge impact on the game, but I just like, like the way he moves and um, seems like a pretty solid defender too. So there's probably a spot for that young fella in that side as well. So. Ollie? Well, um, oh, you I'm were missed by like the stage, so about, you don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I went and watched the game, but I went and watched the games back that I missed out on. Um, not missed out on, that I was uh, 
didn't remember. Uh, I went back and watched them today. Um, I'm going to sound like I'm talking about the Sharks towards the end of last year here because one to five, they were amazing. And we've spoken about it, but uh, just uh, Tyrell Sloan, right? I can see it happening because they're the Dragons, but if they don't find a way to keep him at the club for the majority of his career, at least the way he's playing right now, they are so dumb. I could very much see him getting good and going to the Roosters in two years because they've low-balled him or whatever. But, like, they've got to keep this guy at the club because you, you well, do, at least on, to me, I don't know if you guys They missed this, on uh, Ryland yeah. Wishart, like, honestly. Um, yeah. You look at the Dragons. You look at the Dragons. You look at the Dragons as they're set up right now and you look at Tyrell Sloan and I can't help but think he is the guy at this team the guy that you've literally you you have got to build this whole club around him like honestly it is just insane the potential that he's displayed thus far compared to a lot of the players there and in this game itself there's just so much difference you could tell between this year and last year because these young guys are getting that little bit more experience it's like last year watching the dragons it's like waiting in line at the bank bit of a snooze fest yeah sure they might win at the end whatever but it's a, a horrible experience all around this year, it feels like a, maybe a bit more of a rave, right? It could go horribly wrong. It could also be the best night of your life, you know. And they actually look a bit more entertaining when they're playing rugby league now. I don't feel like falling asleep whenever I watch a Dragons game, at least based off of this performance and what those young blokes were putting in. Like Lomax, you bring up as well. Um, and I, Lomax I do remember when thing, we were... Lomax brings Ravalara in the game. Who's, mate, yeah. He's a 120 kilo winger. Like That should be an excitement machine. Sorry, keep going. Well, if he has a good start to the season, and I know there's already been sort of um, comparisons and um, and debates about this already, and I'd say at one point last year probably was, this could be the year we sort of cement Ravalawa as better than Mark Acevo. Now, at the start of last year, the start of the year before, that seemed unfathomable. Acevo so much better and Ravalawa would have to do so much. But from what we've seen since then, I wouldn't be confident saying Ravalawa is better than Sevo, but there's definitely that foundation there where if you, if me from the future just popped here right now uh, from in a year's time and said, oh, by the way, Ravalawa is like clearly better than Sevo's picked up winger of the year or whatever. I go, and okay, by, maybe, and, that's and a, go. maybe that's a possibility. What? And grow goatee. And grow goatee. Sorry. Something just cut out there, but, um, Five as a whole, I'd say around the very least, yeah, the Dragons are going to be an exciting team this year. All I ask for in, in footy at the end of the day is um, not to be bored. So if you know you're going to, you know, if you're going to lose by 30 or win by 30, cool, I'm okay with that. It's the teams where you just sit and, um, you know, want to throw yourself off the deck because it's 10 all after 75 minutes and neither team know how to actually score is one of our issues, which really excites me about the Dragons now and excites me about, uh, Excites me about the Tigers a little bit. Excites me about... Um, oh, we'll get to the rest of them. Excites me about the Cowboys, to be honest, which we'll get to next. Anything else from this game? Not from me. Yeah. Cody Walker. He was right. I said I thought he was quite good. Um, he got a bit hot and bothered at different times in the game, but um, that's who he is. And you'll see that more... Uh, you'll see that quite a bit during the season, I would imagine. If he gets his partner in crime in there and Latrell and him both going off their head, who knows what could happen, but... Cowboys 26 defeated the Brisbane Broncos 6. Uh, 
one of the teams who we had high hopes for and um, maybe have not quite lived up to it just yet, the Broncos. Uh, but the Cowboys were good. Had points in them, looked exciting, have speed, which, uh, as Gump will tell you, you can't teach, and looked flashy, Barn, what the stats say? Yeah, there was some nice football out of the Cowboys. Um, not huge amounts of it, but there was some different, different streaks of pace and good football. Four tries to one, four out of four conversions for the Cowboys, one out of one for the Broncos, one penalty goal out of one attempt for the Cowboys. 81% completion played 79%, 31 out of 38 sets for the Broncos, and uh, sorry, for the Cowboys, and 34 out of 43 sets for the Broncos. Two line breaks to one, 34 tackle busts played 33, five offloads to seven, one Force dropout by the Cowboys, 337 tackles played 352, two ruck infringements from both teams, one inside the 10 from both teams, three penalties conceded to five, 11 errors to 10, and a sin bin for the Broncos. Cotter made 35 tackles, Ricky made 37, Murray Tuolungi with 196 metres, and Corey Oates with 149. Hess missed four tackles but did make 34. Granville missed four and made 22. Paliasia missed five tackles and made 28. All right, Barton. Uh, where are both these teams actually at? I'm definitely concerned with the Broncos. I expected them to be a little bit slicker in their attack. Um, obviously, you don't have Reynolds there at the moment, but he's not exactly the um, the, the greatest ball-playing half, more of a game-controlling half. Um Obviously, if you can get yourself in a good position, it does help your attack. But um, they, they had some really good position at the start of this game. They looked like in the first 10 minutes that they were going to break the Cowboys open and run away with it. Um, they looked quite dominant in that first 10 minutes. But then a couple of mistakes, um, some some silly play, and the Cowboys got on the back of that. Uh, there was I think there was a runaway at one point, which just sort of broke open the Broncos. And then they seemed to fall back into being very confused in their attack and not sure exactly what they're doing. Um, how can you... Through, sorry, yes? keep going. No, no, keep no, going. no, go on. How can you what? Ha, uh, the concern I have is the more I think about the Broncos team, Kevy's now been there. This is going on second year. How can you have a first-grade team where you still don't know who your first choice 5'8 is? Yeah, no, I have no idea. And, honest, and it sounds like they still don't because you probably no. played there. Like, well, uh, out of the three options that you saw on the weekend, they didn't give Mam enough time to do anything. I think he got about 10 minutes at the back end of the game and they, they were only on the front foot for about a minute and a half of that 10 minutes at the back end of the game. Um, Walters, Billy Walters looked probably a little bit better than Gamble, but he doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to know when to pick his time to run or when to pick his time to pass. He just seemed to get it wrong the majority of the time for the majority mm. of the night. Seemed to be running when he should have been kicking or passing and passing when he should have been running or, or kicking. I, I, I so, struggle to see how Billy Walters is not just a fourteen. He's too small to be a mm. front line uh, at least a front line six. Uh, and he and brings something that you can play out of you get that pace out of dummy half and that sort of thing. And the best part out of Gamble's, um, I think he, he didn't play a lot of games last year, but the games he did play, the best part of his game was when he dug into the line and when he ran the ball himself, and he basically didn't do it at all in this game. He just caught and passed or kicked the ball. So it's, um, it's, yeah, and it's, it's almost like if, you, if you're if you that in doubt, why wouldn't you just back Ezra Mam? Just yeah, go, all right, don't here you go. Yeah. I don't have an answer. Try and give me an answer. Ollie, any thoughts? 
Uh, well, first and foremost, my thoughts on the Cowboys this season haven't changed. I still am predicting them to come close to maybe the worst regular season record ever because I have to agree with Barney a lot of the, the talking points sort of came from the concern of Brisbane. Uh, the hammer did stand out, though, for me for the Cowboys, and he's always been one of the guys who I've had there who um, I don't think is sort of cannon fodder, if you will, for the Cowboys. <laughs> Defensively as well, he was really good. I thought uh, for Brisbane, though, I'm now I now think I'm on that um that train of thought that yeah, Ezra Mam should just start from the get go. He's going to be there at least for most of the season with Adam Reynolds, uh, depending on how he is to start the year. Uh, we don't know, but he'll be with Reynolds for the majority of the time. Tyson Gamble wasn't too great, I would say. So I'd probably just persist with Ezra Mann and put all my eggs in his basket if I were Kevy, especially when one of the greatest game-controlling halves of the past 10 years is your halfback. Um, I think you're pretty much safe there. If there's, there's probably about three to five halfbacks in the competition that if need be could absorb a hundred percent of the pressure of a game. I'd say Reynolds is one of them. So if you put man next to him, he's, he's sort of going for gold there, but yeah, I'd say this was more of a poor performance from the Broncos overall. Um, I liked what I saw from Tom Dearden as well. I thought he was decent in this game played above expectation well and truly I'd say I'm not saying he's going to be a world beater this season or anything but I liked what I saw from him I liked what I saw from Ruben Cotter as well um playing there at lock um Reese Robson I thought could have done a bit more somebody who I've had pegged as one of those players who I think's like a, a key player for the Cowboys um but again it's one trial game I'm not taking too much from this one other than I now think Ezra Man probably should be starting with Adam Reynolds full-time for the Broncos in 2022. And Barney had plenty to say, so sorry to cut you off earlier. Keep going. No, you're right. Um, young Corey Pakes, uh, he's got a decent passing game and he adds a bit of he's, – he's obviously quicker than Turpin out of hooker. You know, a couple of nice touches in the first sort of 10 or 15 minutes and I think that was sort of why they got on the front foot so much they did. But then there were some poor errors and his defence was alarming at times. So I think he may have actually played himself out of a start to this game. So um, I think you might find Turpin coming back in to start at the start of the year. Um, Chad's kicking game was pretty good. Um, that's what he's been known for for a long time. There wasn't a lot else to go with that, but he got him around the field with his kicking game. Uh, Deedon, as you mentioned, was impressive. I thought he was... Uh, especially in defence. I thought his defence was extremely good for such a little fella. Um, he's got a pretty good tackle technique and he's probably a, a, one of the better defensive halfbacks running around um, if he can keep putting those performances out there. Uh, Drinkwater added a very good spark in the last sort of 20 minutes, half an hour. He um, he created a lot of opportunity on his outsides. Um, I dare say he'll be locked in for the 14 now going forward. Uh, Val Holmes looked really fit. I don't think he's looked any fitter than um, unless you go back to 2016 when he was playing at the Sharks. I don't think he's been as fit. So, and um, he was strong in defence as well. He uh, he probably saved two tries, I think, off his own bat there at one point. So, it's um it's only a plus for the Cowboys. You already mentioned Hammer. Um, I I got into an argument with with Gumpy, and I think it was Dag as well. I said he'd win him a, a game or two during the year, and I. Still expect him to win a couple of games just off his own bat. Um, he looks like a, a very impressive young fella. Lukey was strong. 
Hetherington and Carrigan actually started really well for the Broncos and was a big part of that um, that go forward. Hass did what he what he does. He didn't play a lot of minutes. Um, Stags was underwhelming, I thought. Had a couple he, opportunities and Val seemed to shut him down uh, very quickly. Is he the next flat track? I know the conditions aren't necessarily the greatest, but is he yeah. the next flat track bully in waiting or is I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think it, it's been a bad game. There'll be games where he tears his opposition centre apart, but I think they just got off the line really quickly to him and Gamble was playing on that side and Gamble didn't seem to be giving him a lot of good clean ball either, so that didn't really help. They seemed to be going to Ricky more so than they went to Stags. Uh, and Ricky was strong. Ricky had a pretty good game. He's only going to get better as time goes on. Um, Paliasia went quite well as well. Missed a few tackles, but you get that with the bigger fellas. I, I was impressed with um, Tamana Brown. I thought he was really good, actually, in the middle. And Cotter, they both worked really hard. And Murray Tuolungi looks really fit as well. Um, on the wing there, he, he scored two couple of, couple of nice tries, and he looks really quick, so... Um, if you can get good clean early ball, he might uh, score quite a few more tries during the year. Cobo had a spark here and there, but he seemed to go missing for a big part of the game. And his defensive positioning is horrible. Yeah, I noticed that. The Cowboys scored two or three tries and he was not in the frame whatsoever. They put in a couple of grubbers and you you didn't see him. He was massively exposed this weekend defensively, as was actually... uh, on a couple of occasions, uh, Jason Saab for a quick bloke. His, his defensive reads are not not there. But, um, yeah, I think you've summed that pretty well. Anything you want to add on this, Ollie? No, not really. Like, this is probably the game where I would say, on paper, it sort of disrupts my predictions the most because i got Brisbane making the eight and the Cowboys finishing last. However... I would still say that I don't take a whole lot out of it. That's the big takeaway from me. No, that's cool. Uh, I just want you interested to hear who your F- Brisbane Ford pack would be, given they've got those sort of half a dozen youngsters all floating around. Barney? Yeah, it looks well, to me they're going to start with Hetherington and um, Haas in the front row. Uh, I think Carrigan has to play 13. And then you're probably going to start with... Um, Ricky's definitely one guy who will start on one edge. I'm not sure who will start on the other one. I'd probably start with... Um, actually, I probably wouldn't start with Paliasia. I'd probably find a spot for somebody else and use Paliasia as a bit more of an impact 20 minutes, 30 minutes in when they're, they're getting a bit tired. But No, fair enough. Cool. I'd probably say, for me, Brisbane's forward pack. Well, I've got them right here. Uh from the article I wrote a couple of weeks ago, and I'm just quickly checking, I'd probably still keep it the same. Payne Haas, obviously. Um, I'd still have Turpin in at nine at the moment. I know people have had questions over Carrigan here. Carrigan in the front row or 13? Got. Um, I've got Carrigan at 13. Um, Flegler starting alongside uh, Payne Haas in the forward pack. Capewell and Ricky both starting as well on the bench. Uh, I've got Herrington as my 14 because he can play hooker as well. Um, he's got that bit of versatility about him. TC Rabadi, um, Keenan Palacia, and I've also got uh, Ryan James just for a bit of experience, that experience head, although that's probably the one I'm a bit umming and ahhing about. There are options there, obviously. Uh, 
Corey Jensen, for example, you've got players there who could come into that side. Yeah, yeah. No, all good. Um, yeah, we'll get to final takeaways later. What's next? Let me pull up my notes. And it would we go straight to uh, Sunday afternoon, Storm 24, Nights 10, where I thought you voiced your right to keep going. Yeah. Beauty. Uh, yeah, well, it took a little bit of time for Storm to kick, click into gear and uh, Knights just sort of hang around and were the Knights. But what did the stats say? <laughs> four tries to two, four out of four conversions, played one out of two. 84% completion for the Storm, 78% for the Knights. 37 out of 44 sets, played 26 out of 33. 300-plus run metres and 155-plus post-contact metres for the Storm. Six line breaks to two, 34 tackle busts to 29, seven offloads to five. Two force dropouts by Melbourne. 300 tackles played 381 from Newcastle. Three ruck infringements to one. Three penalties conceded by the Storm. Eight by Newcastle. Eight errors to nine. Kafusi made 29 tackles. Randall made 37. Ollum with 146 metres and Clemmer with 129. Grant made six tackles and missed two in the 10 minutes that he was on the field. And Gay Guy made 18 tackles and missed four. What do you think, Barn? Oh, as you mentioned, I thought it took Storm a little while to get um, to click into gear, but um, I thought Nelson, the Sofa Solomona, and Felice Cafusi were probably close to the best two players on the field. <laughs> they very rarely shirked oh, yeah. their work, and they just went in and back. Um, Nelson was great. That's a bit, as good as I've seen Nelson in a little bit. It looks like he's slowed down slightly. Maybe yeah, a point to prove, but yeah. there was that one hit up where he just threw um, Tyson Brazell yeah. around like he was a little yeah. kid. But um, and Kafusi just works his backside off pretty much every game. You very rarely have a game where Kafusi isn't strong in attack and defence, and he he actually rattled a few that ran directly at him, which they didn't do again after after he sized them up and put them down. Um, young Wishart, solid performance. Looks like he's gonna. He'll probably feel that. Oh no, Cheese is back now, isn't he? Jesus, back round back. one. I couldn't, but I'd still have him on the bench. I dare say Wishart might play nine, and um, they'll put Cheese in the, in as a um, in the thirteen. If, if, if their um, plan is for Cheese to start thirteen all year, uh, I'd be starting. Why wouldn't Wishart. you? Because yep. the young fella's got some toe. He gets in and around the field. His service is pretty good. Um, he improved on his first performance again, so definitely looks like a um, a young hooker in the making. He may even play somewhere as, as a fourteen if he moves on or. Mm. Um, towards the back end of the year, maybe. Who knows? Well, he's not moving um, on because Cheese will be moving on. So, if, if yeah, true. There. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, Hughes just does just did what he had to do. He didn't he didn't light the game up, but he he had a very solid game. So did Jennings and um, Remus Smith in the centres. Uh, they were probably the best in the outside backs, apart from Munster. Munster was terrific. Um, Especially when he went back to fullback, he was he was, he was absolutely the best player lighting in the field it up when he went back, to, he went fullback. back to fullback. Um, Sorry, and him and Cheese were playing quite well together. They were sort of um, they're running off each other and they're working together on the that sweet play and back through the middle. And they um, caused a lot of problems on the edges of back through the middle for for Newcastle. And the re- majority of the rest of the Melbourne team just sort of played their little bit parts. A lot of them didn't get a lot of time, so. But they um they defended Ponga pretty easily. They did not let him get a run on. They did, they were in his face pretty much every time he touched the ball, and as and then he wasn't really involved much after they sort of put him on his back a couple of times. So did young Kalen want to be there? 
not 100% sure, to be honest. Kafusi was whispering a few sweet nothings to him at the end of the game. So <laughs> it was interesting. Um, may end up I think Kafusi was telling him where he wants to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got this guy and we've got this guy. And yeah, but <laughs> um, the majority of this. But... I was going to say, like, he probably would have been telling him, we've got a great four pack, but we've got absolutely no one in the backs. We need you. Can you please sign with us? Or we've Come got play six. We'll get Reese up there. He can play fullback. And, yeah. Anyway, um, I thought the majority of Newcastle starting pack were pretty good. Um, minus one well-known pot plant that we brought up many times before. Um, Clamour was probably the best of them. He looks, he actually looks like he's trimmed down a little bit. I was going to gonna say, and he's another one. He was, maybe facial hair is the key, but yeah, he looks pretty fit. <laughs> he was running really strongly as well, and he was definitely in for the fight. Um, Clifford was their most effective attacking player by a long way. Uh, with Man, oh, sorry, Man wasn't probably that far behind, but he was sort of playing off the back of Clifford, who was setting up the majority of the rest of the stuff for them. Uh, he's got some nice footwork, Kurt Man, and um, a really good short pass. So there's something there. Uh, they're going to have to build some stuff around him, but there is something there. Randall did his job, but he did he didn't overly impress me. But he, he made his tackles and gave okay service to um, to his front rowers. Barnett and Frizzell did their job. Uh, they're pretty strong, for good parts of it. And um, Leo Thompson. He's a pretty wide young fella, and he looks like he runs pretty hard. So I dare say he'll end up in uh, off the back of the two trials that he's played. I dare say he'll find a spot on the bench uh, within the first probably four to six weeks of the comp. So Yeah, I thought you know, you've, you've nailed that game. The only couple I want to mention, I know you mentioned uh, Hughes earlier, but some of his kicking in the first half was fantastic. Just uh, from the spot where he's able to just – he's got that great ability to put the ball right – Basically, out just outside the, the couple of meters, yeah, meter or two goal, outside the and line. just yeah. make him just force repeats. He, he had, the, he, I think, he got two or three times. That was tremendous. Uh, and, and set up a try along the way. He had the try, the kick to uh, old Jennings. Did, Fantastic yeah. kick. And Munster slimmed down. You got to give credit to the bloke because it, it's easy lip service to say you're going to go away and do whatever you can do, but he looks, uh, he looks like he's. Typical bloke that's got off the grog, which maybe we can He's all learn. Yeah, uh, got off the grog and looks five years younger and uh, looks ready to rock and roll. And if if there's you know bad signs around Pappenhaus, in which the jungle, the old uh, jungle drums even seem to half suggest, well, we could slot back into fullback. The problem with that is they don't have a six because uh, yeah. we don't know where Cooper Johns is or if he's even capable. But uh, a very very scary fullback proposition at his best in fitness, and he seemed to enjoy it. Uh, given his post-game uh, comments. So they were the two big takeaways. Well, the takeaways were that their best players are the best players, and that was it. Uh, anyone want to talk about Newcastle? Not really. Frizzell had a couple of nice hits, and, and was Frizzell. Uh, Bradman Best will probably get injured in the next month again. And, um, yeah, they're just Newcastle, so I'm not going to talk about them. Oli? Uh, I'd say for Newcastle, but Barney brought up how... Dominant David oh, Clemmer was. Oh, Kurt, man, as I said earlier. Yeah. Well, uh, Barney brought up how dominant uh, Clemmer was in attack. I'd say both sides of the ball, he was strong, um, but in defence as well. A question about Newcastle, though, and I'm glad you did bring up Kurt, man, because could it's we raining, have raining. a... Yeah, yes, it is raining. <laughs> could <laughs> we have a, a, a situation at some point in the year, possibly? Now, I know he sort of... 
I guess, the new Connor Watson, but could it come a point, let's just say, and Adam Clune isn't performing amazingly for Newcastle, even though Joey Johns is there, um, and before Dewey comes back from injury, so they haven't uh, gotten Luke Brooks yet. Could we possibly see a situation at some point, sort of maybe between round five and eight, if they're 0 and 5 or whatever, where Kurt Mann does slot into 5 8, then we see Jake Clifford go to halfback or a half combination of Mann and Clifford? Is that so yes, far? No, nothing would surprise me. Off the card. Okay. But I'd need to oh, find yeah, someone capable of um, playing 13, then, which is the next question. Given Kurt Mann's played, what, 9, 4, 6, 8, 12? Well, he started at 6, I'm pretty sure, when he first um, yeah. hit first grade. Um, He's played full When back, he wasn't too. on a bench. So um, they'll they'll definitely be reluctant to take him out of that 14 or 13 position just because it seems to suit him better than anywhere else on the field. But at a pinch, he could end up starting at 9. He could end up starting at 6. He could end up starting in the centres. Um, I dare say you've seen him thrown in all different parts of the field. He'll play one when Pong is uh, in the origin camp. So we could end up calling Newcastle the Kurt Manskill Knights or something. Quite possibly. We could do. (laughs) Weren't we already a little bit? I don't be surprised some of the crap that comes out of our mouth during the year. (laughs) (laughs) Especially for Newcastle games. (laughs) Alrighty. uh, Last game was last night where we saw... My page failed to refresh. Canterbury 30 defeated the Bulldogs 6. Uh, well, Canterbury, Canterbury beated the Bulldogs. Yeah. Sharks, sorry, Sharks beat the Bulldogs. <laughs> 30 6. Uh, I, you should fight. I should have a, a jar for that, shouldn't I? You just seem to. It's always the Bulldogs, too. It is, I too. What I just it is. <laughs> All right. I don't know. It's because you just switch off after like 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I just go. Fall asleep now. So, all right. Uh, we'll start a jar. Uh, we should have something where if you, we all should have like a fine system. Right. Uh, so dollar, dollar, whatever. Trip over your word or. Yeah, no, we'll up. pick it up. So I, obviously the ones I miss, but then we'll work out what you blokes miss. We're going right. to have to invest in at least five jars. GT will be all over it. We'll need to buy like a fucking I need to give a shout drum. out to uh, Talia too, who actually does our spreadsheets and is a big fan of the show. Outstanding young lady and a big fan. So, should we be keeping track of the uh, Dalian points while GT is gallivanting around the US countryside? What's the Dalian? I've never heard of that. Oh, man, either. Even the, fuck, there's <laughs> the another one in the fan. All right, two dollars <laughs> in the jar. All right, it's still the preseason, man. It's all right. Uh, just you, getting the iron. Got a couple of weeks to Tell warm us up. some stats about this freaking game. Can get out of here. <laughs> five tries to one. Five out of five conversions for Nico. One out of one for the dogs. Seventy-seven percent completion played. Sixty-seven percent. Thirty-one out of forty sets played. Twenty-three out of thirty-four. Five line breaks to two, 34 tackle busts to 10, seven offloads to 11, three forced dropouts by the Sharks, one by the Bulldogs, zero 40-20s, 272 tackles by the Sharks, 286 by Canterbury. One ruck infringement to the Sharks, one inside the 10 against the Sharks. Five penalties conceded to nine, 11 errors for both teams, and both teams had a Sid bin. Uh, Honey Newelli with 24 tackles, Max King with 30, uh, Andrew Fafita with 128 metres and Brent Naden with 150 metres. Uh, Nakora made 23 tackles and missed four. And Hetherington for the Bulldogs made 15 tackles and missed four. May I? Now, we saw all uh, <laughs> all off-season how Canterbury are going to finish eighth or fourth or minor premiers or somewhere in between. 
But I watched that game and I watched the game last week and all I saw was a team that couldn't win a game last year and how are they going to win a game this year? Honestly, they're, they've got some Pelicans in the forward pack that seem to have already abandoned any leadership roles uh, that, that may have been in board. Uh, not the front row. No, he was okay. But uh, Tavita there was already lost his marbles, uh, wanted to throw punches early on everything else. Uh, Matt Burton came in and tried very hard, but their defensive structures are atrocious. They were just picked apart on both sides of the field. Anytime the ball went wider than about three wide, someone was just scoring a try. Uh, it's almost like their coach has issues being a first-grade coach. But uh, I watched that game, and uh, as I said after last week's trials, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It felt a lot like 2021, uh, apart from uh, the Matt Burton uh, much vaunted right foot step, which I suggested would be the only scoring opportunity they get all year. It seemed like that's all it's going to be all year because the rest of it was very average to watch. Uh, Luke Thompson's a very good player. I don't know if anyone's noticed that. He's their best player. Josh Jackson, Gump suggested he's a passenger and I'm nearly on board with I know he's going to make 50 tackles a game, but... He worked hard. He works yeah. hard, but he had close to zero in attack. And beyond that, I, I do not have a positive to come forward with for Canterbury. I feel like Josh Adekar be very sad by the middle of the year, except he's going to be doing stupid TikToks with Phil Gould. So good on him. He makes lots of money off it. Uh, and win an Origin Series. And win an Origin probably Series and play for Australia. So, yeah. so good on him. Um, I hope it all goes well for him. But apart from that, Dufty we didn't see at all. And I know he can run fast when he gets a drop ball, so he'll do that at some point throughout the year. He didn't even seem to be putting himself in a position to take yeah, the ball. Should. Uh, Naden... Looks like he's lost half a yard of pace and wants to throw himself at people's heads. So he'll be uh, missing some time this year. Uh, so all positive signs for the Bulldogs that they'll finish pretty close to where they did last year. So good on them. Sharks were good, and I'll let you talk about them, Barn, and then give your thoughts on the Bulldogs. Yeah, right. So um, Trindle played a much better game than what he did last week. Um, he definitely got him around the field, and he was um, he's very – he played a lot more direct this week, this week which I for? think – Trindle, mm. it's only was it the one? What did he get two? One or two, two games yeah, for two. the first, yeah, yeah. But he played a lot more direct, which helped Hines. I think it gave him a little bit more. He sort of played more of as, as a six, to be honest. And and Trindle played more as the seven. Um, I know Hines was the first guy to get his hands on the ball, but generally when it went to Trindle, he either straightened the play up or he went straight out to the the outside back. So I honestly think. They should be playing Hines at six and Trindle at seven, but we'll see what happens during the year. Um, Hines had some really good touches and try assists um, and a couple of line break assists. Finnegan had, a, again, a couple of nice strong carries and he just adds that, as we said before with Yo, he's just that little bit of glue. He seems to slide off and make tackles that guys sort of half miss and then he makes sure it gets shut down before they get through the front door. Um didn't play a lot of minutes, but I'm sure he'd be playing at least 60 to 80 in the majority of the games going forward. I thought it looked real good. I thought you'd take, like, you just go right, you just tick and go, yes, Dale Finucane's at our club. How good? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, he had his best game in a long time. Probably one of the better games he's ever played, to be honest. Um, he, strong ball carries and his defence wasn't too bad, which is one of the things that does let him down at times. The feeder definitely looks fitter than he has for a long time. And um, if he can play his 20, 30 minutes and um, do some nice, strong carries up the middle. That's pretty much all they're going to ask from him, I think, for this year. 
Nakora and um, Pele had some really big carries of the football. Um, Nakora was hitting gaps extremely well. And um, young Franklin Pele, I don't think I've seen him run like that in the, any game that he's ever played in first grade. So if he can, um, if he can again, play 30 minutes, 40 minutes and run like that when they give him the ball, that um, he'll make a difference. Ramian was decent with the ball in hand, but there's, you know, he's not the worst defensive centre in the world, but there's a couple of question marks around him. Um, Hunt, Again, another one had a really good game. Um, when Teague Wilton, they worked their backsides off. And this Jesse Calhoun, um, don't know much about him, but he's definitely a worker. Uh, he made 30 plus tackles again, uh, 14, 15 hit ups. He's um, definitely someone that will just work all day by the looks of it. So he, um, he'll, I guarantee you, he ends up in the 17 by the end of the year. So if he's going to keep putting in performances like that. And Beryl, decent backup hooker. I don't think he'll play much because um, Braley's an 80-minute hooker, but there's something about him. He's got a little bit of um, up and, you know, sort of up and at him, gets gets buzzing around it, out of hooker. So uh, Luke Thompson, as you mentioned, was easily the best for the Bulldogs. Um, Paul Vaughan and Max King put in a shift. They both work pretty hard. Max King looks like an exciting young prop coming through, so um, he might be one sniffing around in your super coaches if you're looking at that. Um, Corey Waddell was okay. Um, Burton did a couple of nice things, but he was handled pretty pretty well. Um, there's not much else I really say yeah, about it. Makes, the thing is with, the Bur- with Burton, it makes life so much easier when there's one bloke you have to study. Yeah, build absolutely. Up, so. uh, Ollie, you watched this on your fine Foxtel television, and what did you take away? I took away that... Um and you alluded to this and it, it's starting to dawn on me now that maybe the Bulldogs won't win the comp this year. Perhaps, maybe. No. <laughs> like it, this is just a further example of how you can't just trust that sort of thought that people fall into and when people sort of want to see a team do a bit better because they haven't for the past couple of years, they let the heart get in front of the mind. No, the Bulldogs aren't going to finish in the goddamn top eight this year. They're not going to finish ninth, so I'm not going to have to get a Bulldogs tattoo on my ass, which, by the way, the bloke who I've got that bet with, oh, boy, was I having a good time with him during this game. He just replied with a bunch of different photos of Jaden Ockenball, which, fair enough, he was creative. He got the different <laughs> photos. It was never the same photo. But um, hey, I so very that's, much... Um, that is clarified again, top eight? Uh, ninth top nine. I said ninth, ninth or above. Wow, okay, cool. okay. okay, and you know what? After this game, how yeah, smart are right. Because, yeah, no. um, yeah, like they're not going to... But if the Bulldogs do finish ninth, like I'll happily get a tattoo of whatever you want on my ass or anywhere in my body because Jesus Christ, this team looks very ill-disciplined. I'm not just talking about a couple of uh, peanuts who sort of stood out. I Like at half time. The penalty count looked like something from the pre-six uh, again days, honestly, because like the Bulldogs yeah. were just giving away so much. I think Cronulla gave away one penalty in the first half, and a lot of that just gave the momentum over to Cronulla, and they were able to jump on the back of that. So that's one real issue I've noticed with the Bulldogs heading into this season is their discipline just as a side, as a whole. To be honest, they really need to fix that up. Otherwise, that's going to lose them a lot of games. And, you know, those 50-50 games that they could be in with a chance of winning, if that ill-discipline sort of comes into play, they lose every single one of them. So it's important that they sort of get that um, under control 
Dalfinuk and I thought was a big standout for Cronulla as well, as was David Fafita when he was on there. Of course, coming back from that injury last year, I think there were. Uh, did you I give us David know. Fafita? Did you? Did I did say we, that? Did we swap Fafitas? All right, I'm gonna. Uh, look, there. uh, there's one in the chart. <laughs> there's one in the chart. Um, but Andrew Fafita. Who'd have thought uh, two and a half hour podcast while getting drunk would lead to uh, mispronunciations? <laughs> But yes, Andrew Fafita, the brother of David, and I don't know if he's related to the other David, um, was very good in this game, especially coming off of his injury last year. I think we all pretty much said he'd probably play limited minutes off the bench if he did. And I think um, a couple of us even may have not had him in our side. I can't remember off the top of my head, but officially I don't think I had him in my side. I definitely changed that now from what we've seen from him in the trials as well. Um, and it looks like a pretty good setup there with Trindle and Hines. I would swap the positions as you would, Barney. But of course, I'd say Will Kennedy, while he wasn't perfect or at his peak from last year, still showed why Nico Hines is playing in the halves instead of at fullback, which I know there was a bit of contention throughout the offseason from some fans. Why wasn't Hines playing at fullback when he played so well there last season? Well, Will Kennedy had a pretty all right season last year as well. So I thought he further cemented that. He didn't get involved a lot, but the couple of times he did on that sweep play, injected himself quite well in there. So, and yeah, there's a couple of forwards still to come back for the Sharks as well. So, yeah, they look, they did look actually, they, they did look much more direct than they did last year. Uh, yeah, playing to their strength. Uh, and Tony's saying Will Kennedy will draw from because he'll get chances in different situations. Uh, uh, the last trial was washed out, the Titans-Warriors game, but just a quick touch on from both of you. Look, anything you, you are concerned about heading into round one with either team? You can just say we don't know and we'll all move on. Oh, just the, the way that the Titans um, sort of stopped in their tracks at the back end and the Broncos put 26 points on them, considering what they put out there this week, that's <laughs> a, it's a little bit of a worry. But um, no, I was really, I really wanted to watch this game because I thought the forwards pack, forward packs matched up pretty well. They both got pretty big, solid uh, mobile forward packs, and it, I think it would have been a really good game to watch. To be honest, uh, especially watching Ash Taylor because I would, have, I would assume that Johnson and Taylor would have started this game, and um, just to see how those two would have worked together. Um, I'm pretty disappointed that it got washed out, to be honest, but. Yeah, because it would have made our night as well, giving us something to do. But, um, yeah, I would love to just see another run from Jaden Campbell. Uh, another, yeah, just see where Sean Johnson out, we'll see where Ash Taylor's at, see where that big, uh, big-bodied big Warriors team is at. Uh, and a couple of their wingers would have interested me. Ollie, uh, and given you didn't get to see your team win this, I know they're undefeated in trials, but you didn't get to see them yes, they are. win this week. Uh, yeah, anything you, uh, you, you might have wanted to see. Not anything in particular, to be honest. I sort of thought um, going back and watching that Brisbane game since our show last week and from what we saw from the Titans players, that we're in the all-star game as sort of the build for the preseason. Nothing's necessarily changed for me, whether that would against the Warriors or not. I don't know. I guess from that current trend, maybe not, but I am more looking forward to that uh, round one game against the Eels, which they'll probably lose, but just to see what the positives, the real big positives are coming out from that Titan side. I'm going to have a 
a, a special eye on Sexton and Campbell from all the investment that the clubs put in them. And I am for at least the first five weeks to see how they perform. Um, and then we'll go from there. AJ as well. I think you can put on that watch list. That would have been very um, good. Especially if he's going to be playing in the half. Yeah, correct. Uh, Supercoach chat just before we uh, sign off. So any, ta- oh, actually, no, first of all, any overarching takeaways, Barn, for you from this weekend? Oh, obviously, um, attitude is a big thing. <laughs> you saw a couple of teams get absolutely wiped off the park just on the back of attitude. Um, it, it is trial, so it realistically doesn't mean a lot. Um, you can Half of the stuff that you think about, you could probably just throw out the window because come round one, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, as you mentioned, that 13 position is um, going to be a big part towards uh, the better attacking teams in this competition. And your 14, you can add your 14 to that too. So I think your teams that have got the really good 13 uh, link player and then you've got a 14 coming off the bench that can do a similar job, if you can get both of them on the park at the same time, it's only going to help the halves combinations on either side of the field. Um, it looks like a lot of the packs seem to have slimmed down a little bit, um, especially some of the bigger players. Um, as we mentioned, in your Clemmers, your Fafita, um, Vaughn looks like he's lost a little bit of weight. Um, Who forecast that a year ago? <laughs> yeah, the body changes in the competition, yes. Um May have been one fearless leader that did mention that at the start of last year. But um, well, I take I'll it take a dollar out of the jar. <laughs> I take it Vaughn's been eating less uh, sausages. Less barbecues. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, obviously, nines are, I think, now more important in this game than anything because um, you you need your halves getting good, clean, early ball and back from the defense because the the rushing the most teams seem to be rushing off their line at a really quick speed. So you want to give your your halves that little bit deeper and get them nice early ball so they've got time to get it out to their outside backs or decide whether they're going to run it or kick it. So um, I think some of the better teams obviously are going to have your better your better hookers. Um, and there's one or two that coming through the ranks that I think might be a little bit better than a few people think, but I'll, um, I'll save that up for a couple of weeks from now. And we oh, can talk about it then, so. No, no, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Ollie. Well, on Supercoach, I'm still going to have to. I still. It's literally been about a month where I've said I, I need to put Bullimore in for Josh Schuster. I still haven't done it. However, in more important news, I finally got out my Supercoach Heavyweight Championship of the World, which is the undisputed and real. <laughs> Supercoach okay. Heavyweight Championship. We better find out who that lineal champion is because I want to go up against them in round one and claim my title. But I'm saying it now. My, I'm putting my title on the line as well this season. So this year there'll be there an undisputed champion. I'm not sure if we're going to upload any of this onto Yeah, no, it'll uh, be up YouTube on YouTube. Order. You can find us on yeah, the so uh, Beer Garden Empire yeah. YouTube channel. The entire preseason show is up there. And uh, some highlights from tonight, if I can find it, it'll be up as well. Yeah. And you'll also be able to see my Supercoach Heavyweight Championship that I've got right here that looks eerily similar to the other one. Um, yes, yeah, so trial yeah, takeaways it, first, Peanut. <laughs> trial takeaways, sorry, I, I, you did say Supercoach to Barney. But anyway, trial <laughs> takeaways is that I don't take much away from the trials, uh, like overall, honestly. Apart from a hangover, um, apparently. Hy- hypothetically, if uh, Cleary... Fisher-Harris and Isaiah Yeo were all to miss an extended period at the same time for Penrith. They're in huge trouble. Um, I'd say that's probably, at least from this weekend, that's the big, biggest thing I've 
taken out of the trials. No, that's cool. All right, so now let's get some coach. Now you're an expert uh, with your belt there, Oliver Teary. Uh, <coughs> so some people, some question, a question from uh, someone we had online was, uh, is Payne Haas overrated as a starting? He finished uh, 28th overall last year as a point scoring thing. Are people panicking to get Payne Haas into their front row? And uh, can you just cop, you know, another front rower for for the sake of seventy grand and bulk up somewhere else? Yeah, quite possibly. If you can, if you can find someone that's maybe five or six or five to ten points cheaper than uh, paying us, and it costs you a hundred, hundred and fifty grand less, and they're averaging sixty to sixty-five because. Um, I think Paynars had probably his worst year in Supercoach since he started the comp. And he was injured for a bit, yeah. He was still he was still pushing out seventies, but if yeah. you can get someone that's averaging sixty or low sixties and save yourself 100, 150 grand, yeah, um, you do you could do worse. It's a thought I've come around to in that um it means I can then possibly get say a Tyrell Sloan into a CT dub position. Uh, yeah, I might, I might think I might revisit that. One of the big things that I've revisited is um, I don't think you can pay any more than about 400 grand for a CTW, to be honest. Mm. Um, even the best of the best, within the first four to six weeks, they're probably all going to lose money mm. um, unless they come out extremely hot. So, And there's that. There's Especially a lot those of... top-end ones. That, like, there's no way that Tuo and Garrick cannot lose money. Yeah. And there's a lot of young blokes, as you mentioned, Tyrell Sloan, uh, Figai, there's um, Will Penasini. There's a lot of options. Isaac Targo in the centre wing positions where you can save a lot of money to bulk up the from, rest of your team. Even yeah. a Robert Jennings, if you know he's going to be the first choice winger for Penrith, he's 220k. Yep. As if he's not going to score points. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, so some players out of the super coach. The, the Parramatta Spine. Want to revisit? We all sort of have brushed Dylan Brown quite extensively. Any interest to either of you? Absolutely. Now, yeah. Um, if he's going to play like he did in this trial game against Penrith, uh, most weeks he's definitely someone that's. Um, he's obviously priced a little bit lower because he had very little attacking stats last year. We mentioned it week after week, and if he picks up another fifteen to twenty attacking points week in week out. Um, he's going to make you some money real quick, and then he might even be a keeper if he if he continues that form. So, Ollie, well, at least from what I've seen, like in terms of super coach and what can get super coach points, you're right in terms of Dylan Brown what he could do. But I'd say probably your safest option to get in there is Reed Marnie, barring injury. Um, he obviously does a lot of work, and um, that'll accumulate a, a fair bit of points. Uh, maybe I'm sounding like an absolute drunko here and he gets, what, 30 points a game, even though he's no, really he, good. But No, uh, he averages 60. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and just on, on the point of Payne Haas before as well, something I've at least noticed with the Supercoach community from what I've seen, there are a couple of players that people like, you must have because they're priced at this price. And Payne Haas is one of them. One of them is also Tom Travojevic. He's the most expensive super coach player of all time, but you have to have him. Look at the points he's going to get. No, you don't. You can get who I've gone and got for like cheaper and play him as your captain. James Thursco, for example, like there are other options out there in similar positions. I don't think you necessarily have to think in certain positions just because they get astronomical amounts yeah, of points I most think, games think, you need to go and get the most expensive person you can sort of more have a well-rounded squad and you'll be better off for it i'm i'm you know, a good friend of the show beaver is of the opinion you, you need to get turbo from the start because you that's where you can end up uh i'm not necessarily because 
you know, over 10 years, the data is much bigger than over a flash in a pan year, uh, where, you, you know, I think things will set that a little bit better. Uh, so not interested there. So, yeah, I agree with you, Ollie. Uh, I've always been one that's gone look for pods. A bit tricky to find this year, but uh, I'm more, once team lists come out, I'll be interested to do that. And I might for next week, I'm going to go and actually have a look at the players' pick percentage and uh, maybe pick out a few different pods. But that's for next week. The, the last question before we all move on. Uh, obviously, we didn't get to the Titans, so Toby Sexton, Jaden Campbell's a little bit off the table till next week. But um, how important is what team they play in or how are the teams going to what you look at? Because if, if, if I'm really excited about Carrigan and I sit back and watch Brisbane be pretty average, are, are you happy to stick or you, you start getting nervous? Oh, well, you, you've got two weeks to think about it realistically. Um, even if you do make that mistake, you've got two, the first two weeks before the price changes. So it might cost you a trade, but if it's down and out, just turn to absolute garbage, then you can sort of, um, you know, you can opt out pretty early in the, in the piece. But um, it does, yeah, absolutely. Especially in the, yeah, somebody who relies on attacking stats. If a team's going poorly, it's going to, it will turn around to bite you. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to sort of stick with the player themselves. And I'd say in terms of super coach, if the play is doing well, it doesn't necessarily matter how well the team's doing. Um, if a player's in form and they are racking up good a good amount of points, like even if a team is playing poor and they are coming up against a Roosters, for example, let's say Patrick Carrigan, as you brought up, Brisbane are 0 from 5 the past five weeks. They're about to come up against the Roosters, but Carrigan's still playing good each week. I'd probably persist with Carrigan because there's still a good chance he will be one of the better players in that Brisbane side and can still get points even if his team's going to play poor. So I'm sort of someone who would say uh, ride with the player until they sort of drop off. Now, again, that might be something... Um, I think it's multifaceted as well, position cancel. It relies a lot. The outside backs are going to rely a lot more on attacking stats yeah. than your forwards. Your forwards generally... A, for, a decent forward in a bad team probably actually helps you because he's going to have to do a bit more work than yeah. a forward that can probably have a bit of a rest on an edge or something like that in one of the better teams where he's not needed as much so yeah sorry Ollie, you feel like you cut you off mid-tenancy no you pretty much covered it like uh i would say like personally i'd go with the player and it's a good point uh you guys have brought up about um like the teams themselves like uh positions themselves i should say i'm sorry i'm currently looking at my team right That's now as right. We go, and i just realized <laughs> i've got I've got Mike Acevo in my team still. So oh, there are my right. two trades to make before the season. I've got to bring Bullimore in for shoe start and I've got to get Sevo out for someone. But instead of just doing it to finish off, I'm going to leave it to the masters. A suggestion each, who should I bring in for Mike Acevo? He's going to free up about 500K. Anyone you want. Uh, go He's on. priced at 500, is he? Is he 500? Uh, 486, but I'm pretty much going to have 500. Uh, you can probably get Tyrell Sloan for that. That's where I'd start. Uh, Ma, uh, otherwise, well, bloke I was impressed, but I think he's more though. Yeah, I think he's overpriced a little bit. Is Marzu? I think he's gonna have a good year. Uh, uh, Will Penasini is a, a cheap player that you can get out of the same Parramatta team. That um, I dare say he'll be playing wing or yeah, I dare say he'll start on that right wing for Parramatta. So we'd, we'd be taking uh, and, a wing spot. So and Robert Jennings, if he's yeah. starting for Penrith. 
Isaac uh, Togo if you don't have him, but if you don't have him, there's probably yeah. issues, big issues. And the last too. one, and last couple that are now back on table, I'm just going to just, as a statement, I think the Dragons are back on the table. So uh, I'll be revisiting Hunt and Sloan and um, maybe even uh, a Ravalawa down the road. We'll see how that goes. Oh, or a Lomax. More are you point. stealing my gimmick from the end of 2020? Maybe. Getting behind the Dragons a bit, eh? Maybe. Maybe. Obviously, team lists are going to be massive. Um, look for those cheaper guys. Actually, that look like what is a good point? What we will do, because we're talking about doing two shows next week. Now that teams will be out next week, we will revisit this in our top-up show. Uh, look for someone that may have um, forced their way into a position that's probably going to be there for the first four to six weeks and is you know pretty close to bottom dollar. They're going to, they're going to be someone that, if they're playing 40 to 60 minutes every week, they're probably going to make you a fair bit of money to start right. the season. So. And if we need the content, because I haven't played in so long and I'm crap, we can just grill and absolutely tear shreds off my super coach team. Well, you can ask. More <laughs> the point. Uh, now, yeah, and lastly, well, Cheese is back on the menu. Now he's not missing a game, let's be yes. honest. Uh, and Chris Randall, a final yay or nay at 2.45. going to make 35 tackles a, a game. I think he's, yeah, 2.35. He'll end up at 3.50. Within a month, so what a guy. he's hundred grand for you. But Jade. anyway, uh, it has been this last announcement we need to make. Is that coming this year in place of our peanut of the week, in honor of his appointment to NRL three sixty? Pop plant, pop plant, pop plant of the week. Yeah, another one in a jar. In honor of, uh, in place of the pop plant of the week, we will now be christening him the Braith. So the player on the field that just does not deserve his job will now be christened the Braith every week instead of the pot plant. Uh, so we look forward to that and obviously announcing a, a Nasta of the Year, as we all like to do. So can't wait for that to come along. Uh, we have plenty more in Braith store. Braith of the Week and a Nasta of the Year. Yeah, Love so it. we've got plenty more in store as we barrel towards season kickoff next season. Boys, anything you want to finish on? Keep your feet dry. Keep your feet dry, yes. And uh, we'll reiterate, uh, stay safe, everyone. We hope you're all doing okay uh, and get through the next uh, couple of weeks, which look pretty average for the East Coast, safe and sound, and we see everyone on the other side. Until then, it's been a pleasure as always, boys. We will talk next week twice, I believe. We'll do both shows on Wednesday, Arvo, just so you guys know. Yep. We'll do a bit of a top-up show and then do our preview show. Thanks for subscribing. If you haven't already, jump on Spotify, uh, Big Art and Empire on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Insta. Ollie, you're in charge of that, as you know. And keep waving that gold around, Ollie, because I'm coming to take it. Be good, lads. See you soon. Yeah.